you see? I see what the killer sees. What? Like a psychic? No. I put myself in his head. I become the thing we fear the most. How? I become capability. I become the horror. What we know we can become only in our heart of darkness. It's my gift. It's my curse. I've had weird experiences my whole life has been very weird and then during COVID I was like having like existential crisis after existential crisis and just lots of anxiety and one night I'm sitting in bed and I was like uh-oh here we go and and I and I was like my my brain's breaking I feel it breaking it's going this is me. I knew it was gonna happen, but here it goes. We're going crazy. Okay. And then, like, I heard a voice. I saw a vision. My cats brought me headphones. It's a whole thing. And, like, I understood what love was. I saw the whole universe. I pulled back. It was a microcosm of itself. I got the, got the yeah. picture, right? Sure. So the next morning, I called my therapist and I was like, girl, it happened. people and welcome to season two episode two of Eris Unveiled, a production of Blood Blood. This is a podcast where we peel back the raw throbbing nerves of reality to expose a vast cosmic consciousness constantly grasping at warm bodies to assimilate. This is Monday July 18th 2022. Dr. Thaddeus is still getting plenty of rest and relaxation at Glorp Corp's world-famous self-help emporium and laugh center for the downtrodden masses. The latest interrogation reports say he's doing just swell. Speaking of lies, holy <laughs> do we have a lot to go over this episode. The world, while never actually dull, has full-on exploded since our last episode. We got Georgia Guidestones being activated after a three-year hiatus. The CERN super collider was exploded by a righteous bolt of God's lightning, which then sneakily slipped the scene in a silver sedan. And it was announced that later this year, 4chan.com will be assassinated with a homemade gun. We'll cover all that and so much more this episode, but before all that, we gotta get to the rant. Because what's more American than complaining about a problem you created? To wit, dupes of Glorp Corp's sunny psyops have such a fundamental misunderstanding of what the elites want from them. These dupes think the elites want to kill off normies en masse, leaving behind only the 500 millionth richest people to live on a paradise on Earth. And then do what? Their own manual labor? 
Okay, but who would fix the robots if they broke down? It doesn't make a lot of sense because the quote-unquote theory glosses over an obvious issue that makes clear that in reality, the elites are merely indifferent to suffering. And this is the real gut punch to all you main characters out there. They don't even think about you enough to want to kill you. Mostly. But hey, we get it. The stories we tell ourselves are supposed to make the world seem rational, and the truth is somehow more absurd than if Joe Biden was a literal demon. But if the Bible is correct and the love of money is the root of all evil, then multi-million and billion dollar corporations ruthlessly inflating their profit margins by keeping working class wages low and consumer prices high is the real satanic panic. But like I said, we get it. Glorp Corp gets it so much, we've spent countless generations seeding the weeds of truth in the wheat of lies. You know, before I was killed in a gunfight with the police in the mountains of Arizona, I wrote a book all about the New World Order called Behold, a bad bitch. And in the introduction, I had this to say. I used to have vague goals with no plans to get there. But I spent a thousand years honing my skills and defining my purpose. The golden path is now laser focused. And I am well within my capabilities of achieving everything I've ever desired. My anxieties, they are merely a game to me now. It's kind of like this strange dream I had before I started working at Blurport. I was in this weird town or something, and somebody must have slandered me. Because without having done anything wrong, I was arrested. And what happened next was very revealing. Hello? Hello? Is anyone out there? Hello? 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 What's that? Hello? Who's there? They're doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. This is definitely not insanity. Who's there? Is anyone out there? What's that? Who's there? They see doing the same thing over and over, expecting something outside of themselves. It's the definition of insanity. But I say going in circles helps you reach escape velocity. Plus, if you crash into something hard enough, who knows what will be revealed? And isn't that what we're all looking for? Something outside of ourselves that will smash the walls of our perceptions, revealing the gooey center that animates the wonders of the universe, our consciousness. I'm sorry, I, I'm not quite sure what you mean. I rather like all my gooey bits to stay inside where they belong. Fair enough. Well, let's start at the beginning. Who are you? I'm Libby the Rose. Who are you? And where am I? Ah, that's easy. For you see, both questions have the same answer. A universe of simulation, projection is means for reflection. Simply put, it's an experimental dimension to test game theories. This specific dimension is designed to test different types of societies. Okay. So, does that mean, like, you're in charge? Can you tell me what crime I've committed? No one will tell me what I've done wrong here. Sorry, no. The first rule of the hyperreal is no one is in charge. The second rule of the hyperreal is no one is in charge. But that doesn't make any sense! How can you have rules if no one is in charge? It's easy, if you're an anarchist. But I thought anarchists don't have rules. 
<laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> oh, my sweet summer child. Anarchists have so many rules. The first rule is no one is in charge. But because no one is in charge, no one can take responsibility for the rules, which is why no one is telling you what crime you've committed. I... I mean, this must be satire. Sure, sure, but it's closer to satirizing normal anarchists than normal bureaucracies. Why? Even have rules if you can't admit they exist? Because humans need rules to coexist. There's no version of human society with no rules. The fact even anarchists have rules is all the proof you need of that. So the question then becomes, how are the rules created and enforced? And, well, you see how well this worked out. Sorry I ruined your experiment. We appreciate the sentiment, but honestly, you did the opposite. You see, you didn't ruin the experiment. You exposed the flaws that were already there. Then I'm not sorry, I guess? Well, you are what you are. An agent of chaos. It's kind of your old deal. It's what makes humanity such a sought-after prize. Oh. What are you then? Some kind of Illuminati demon? And you're in a contest with other demons to see who can permanently enslave humanity. Yes, to the first question. But to the second, you couldn't be more wrong. The game we play is to see who can teach humanity how to live with itself without the constant need of divine intervention. That, uh, that tracks with the whole anarchist bit. Yeah, exactly. We keep coming up with ways for you to organize yourself. But you keep finding ways to turn them into systems of oppression, destruction, and madness. But, maybe that's the point. Maybe there's no version of humanity that can go on autopilot. Because when you do, you'll always go to some unsustainable extreme. This was the final experiment that confirmed there can be no perfect human system. At least not perfect in the traditional sense of the word. Here's the deal. I need help with one of my assets who's having some, let's call them, technical difficulties. What kind of technical, technical difficulties? The conspicuous kind. The extremely conspicuous kind. The kind that makes me feel like something is beyond me, is I am to you. He's trying to teach me a lesson. Oh, you seem to be taking it well. Well, it is more interesting this way than if I had just had some scheme and everything went according to plan. And honestly, I think it's making me a better person. So you're saying everything's gonna be fine? Oh, I am terrified as hell about what could happen. Things have gotten a bit, uh, unwieldy on Earth. But I honestly believe that with faith, hard work, and a sense of humor, we can all make something magical happen. Jesus Christ. So, what's the plan? I mean, you say goals, you say plans, but those things require absolutes. A plan must change if something unexpected happens. And trust me, with humans, the only certainty is the unexpected. So I have more of a theory and strategy. In fact, I guess you could call me the strategist. Then what's your strategy? Are you familiar with the phrase, good cop, bad cop? <laughs> All cops are bastards. Oh, you say that now. Just wait till you're part of a ragtag militia made up of former cops and Antifa members fighting an army of Jeff Bezos robot dogs. 
Seriously? Listen closely. Back in 2018, there was an article warning us of how the super wealthy intended to respond to the event. Doug Rushkoff, a lecturer, media theorist, and writer on digital culture, wrote an article back in 2018 of his experience being invited to a resort to deliver a keynote speech to a bunch of investment bankers about the future of technology. Now, first of all, Rushkoff was surprised to learn his audience was just five super wealthy guys. And instead of listening to the speech he had prepared, they started peppering him with questions about the future. They warmed him up with questions about Bitcoin and then got to their real concern. How to survive after the event. Now, what is the event? Well, the event according to these wealthy guys, is the dystopia that occurs after the inevitable crisis. What Rushkoff writes was their euphemism for the environmental collapse, social unrest, nuclear explosion, unstoppable virus, or Mr. Robot hack that takes everything down. Now, were these powerful, reasonable, moderate, status quo-loving gentlemen worrying about how to bring all of society back to normal? That is, saving humans from total societal collapse? Nah. They're worried about saving their own skins by creating an army of shock-collar-wearing slave goons. Rushkoff writes, They knew armed guards would be required to protect their compounds from the angry mobs, but how would they pay the guards once money was worthless? What would stop the guards from choosing their own leader? The billionaires considered using special combination locks on the food supply that only they knew, or making guards wear disciplinary collars of some kind in return for their survival, or maybe building robots to serve as guards and workers if that technology could be developed in time. Yep, that's uh, you know, I, I wish I could say I was shocked to hear that the super wealthy want to create an army of starved, enslaved, or maybe robotic guards to protect them from the angry mobs of the poor people that they'd screwed over. I wish I was surprised to hear that the people who fight so hard against things like providing healthcare to all, working on a Green New Deal to save the environment, or you know generally improving the lives of the many, actually do know that their actions will someday destroy the world and that their concern is not about guilt they'll feel over killing millions, but how to desperately cling to their piles of riches even after society collapses, how to continue to suppress the masses even when their money has no value by shock collars or food vaults or robot armies. I wish I could say I was surprised to hear that these wealthy, reasonable moderates, these elites who promise us they're the rational solution to our problems, are actually just waiting to become immortal Joes, hoarding, oppressing, and brutalizing the common people until the bitter end. But I'm not. I'm not surprised. And if there's one thing the rich have learned, it's that class warfare is hell. He invoked the corporate 
jet class. So that's that's a whole new category of of people to demonize, right? Soak the rich, it's their fault. Demonizing the rich as as evil, as lazy, as inheritors of their wealth. He's saying they're fat cats. You can tax rich people all you want, and you're not going to you're not going to solve, gonna solve our the, problem. I, I say the idea that if we raise taxes, as the president said, on millionaires and billionaires, raise taxes on oil companies, raise taxes on owners of private jets, that that somehow is going to make a difference. The president uh, wants to raise the top two income tax rates, which would raise about $700 billion over 10 years. You know what? That's only a tiny fraction of the federal government's deficit. $700 billion over 10 years. <laughs> That's less money than Warren Buffett's cleaning lady pulls out of his shower drain every week. Joe Miller. So $700 billion of raised revenue over 10 years ain't even worth the effort. But if it's revenue you want, there does happen to be another place, instead of the rich, that you can look for it. Warren Buffett are writing how the rich should pay more taxes, but saying not a word about the half of American households that pay no income taxes at all. Is that fair when half the population pays absolutely nothing? 51%, that's a majority of American households, paid no income tax in 2009. Zero. Zip. Nada. Many of them get so much money in tax credits that it wipes out any Social Security taxes or Medicare taxes they're paying they are absolutely on a free ride. Broaden the tax base. Everyone needs to pay something. Before you start demanding one group pay more, maybe get everyone to put skin in the game. That's the problem with poor people. They still have some of their skin. <laughs> but you know what? Oh, you know what? Actually, this is a pretty easy calculation. We can do this. The bottom 50% is just simple math. In dollar figures, the bottom 50% of this country have $1.45 trillion in everything they own on this earth. <laughs> so let's see. They have $1.45 trillion. So what do you say we take, I don't know, half of that? That'd be, oh, look at this, $700 billion. <laughs> Why does that figure sound so familiar? The president uh, wants to raise the top two income tax rates, which would raise about $700 billion over 10 years. You know what? That's only a tiny fraction of the federal government's deficit. So raising the income tax rate on the top 2% of earners would raise $700 billion, but taking half of everything the bottom 50% have in this country would do the same. I see the problem here. We need to take all of what the bottom 50% has. All of it. It's the only way to make a significant dent. Now we're up to 1.4 trillion. And if you're worried about the poors, don't. Poor families in the United States are not what they used to be. When you look at the actual living conditions of the 43 million people that the census says are poor, you see that, in fact, they have all these modern conveniences. 99% of them have a refrigerator. 99% have refrigerators. You food-chilling mother How dare you? That's why it makes complete sense.
That's why it makes complete sense that the word poor in that graphic is in quotations. <laughs> These people aren't poor, they're... I'm sure the other 1% of those people who don't have refrigerators don't have them, not because they don't have food, because they're always ordering room service. <laughs> so you see, the problem with increasing the marginal tax rate on the rich and closing some corporate tax loopholes isn't that it engages in class warfare. It's that it's fighting on the wrong side of the war. It is all-out war on the productive class in our society for the benefit of the moocher class. The makers and the takers. They want to take it from somebody else. Everyone's jumping in the wagon. No one wants to pull. Parasites we have out there dependent on government. The raccoons. They're not stupid. They're going to take, they're going to do the easy way if we make it easy for them, just like welfare recipients all across America. Welfare will create a generations of utterly irresponsible animals. Yeah. Breaking news. We interrupt our regularly scheduled current events media montage to report the Georgia Guidestones have been destroyed. The Georgia Guidestones, a roadside attraction located in Georgia's Elbert County for the last... Wait, how many years? The Georgia Guidestones, sometimes called America's Stonehenge, because sure, why not, was a constant source of controversy and conspiracy theories due to their cryptic and menacing messages like, let me check my notes, uh, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Terrifying. In the early morning of July 6, 2022, 24 hours after the CERN Super Collider was rebooted, and 48 hours after America's 246th birthday and Eris Unveiled season 2 premiere, which is all probably unrelated, probably, a mysterious explosion destroyed one of the four guidestones, destabilizing the rest, causing officials to properly tear down the remaining monoliths later that day. This, of course, freed the four horsemen of the apocalypse who were using the four structures to gestate for their normal gestation period of 42 years. Meaning, this Glorp Corp operation has successfully reached its intended goal. And we can now reveal the whole hilarious story of the Georgia Guidestones. The stones were first commissioned in 1979, with construction finished in early 1980. Specifically, March 22nd. Yep. 322. Nothing ominous about that number. But here is where this piece gets a little weird. Because while researching this piece, as far as we knew, no one had ever definitively uncovered who was responsible for the Guidestones. None of the reporting that we looked at ever dug that deep. And it was only after we wrote everything that you've seen up to this point right now that we discovered this kind of shitty 2015 documentary from a born-again Christian filmmaker who decided to investigate the Guidestones. In it, the producers trick the one man who knows Robert Christian's real identity and who had promised never to reveal it into allowing them to open this case containing their correspondence on camera. And in doing so, seemingly revealed that the Guidestones were ordered by a man named, uh, a man named Dr Herbert Kirsten. And if that documentary is right, and Kirsten is the man behind the Guidestones, that is pretty troubling, because he was a doctor from Fort Dodge, Iowa, with multiple interests. Conservation? Certainly. Population control? Absolutely. But he also wrote at least two letters in newspapers praising David Duke. Yeah, that's David Duke. 
the clan leader and neo-Nazi arguing, among other things, that Duke voices many beliefs held by reasonable Americans. It is unfortunate that more acceptable public figures are not pushing similar views. Which is the sort of thing that makes a line like guide reproduction wisely hit a little bit different now, doesn't it? Yeah. Glorp Court Patriots did an amazing job running cover for the project by pretending it was a leftist plot to make people, you know, respect each other in the planet. Of course, avoid petty laws and useless officials was kind of a tell. Without petty laws and useless officials, the government would shrivel up to the size of a dog turd. And we all know how much conservatives hate small government, am I right? R.I.P. Georgia Guidestones. You were a real one. But of course, it was all part of the glorious Glorp strategy. After 42, 42 years of Glorp Corp patriots stoking raw emotional hate from their dupes, guiding that hate energy towards the stones, charging the stones, thus feeding the four horsemen of the apocalypse for their 42 year long gestation period. The CERN super collider tapped into that hate frequency, charging the ley lines they were both built upon and exploding the stones, thus releasing the four horsemen into the world. So there you go. The true story of the Georgia Guidestones has now been revealed. Or, or, and hear us out, maybe after decades of impotent rage directed at the Guidestones from right-wingers that never amounted to nothing, one single month after John Oliver revealed to his massive left-wing audience, the Stones were probably commissioned by a white supremacist. A leftist blew them up. So that's it for the current events portion of the show. Let's take an ad break and then we'll be back with our final segment, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Guidestone. No, wait, that's not it. Uh, oh right, Galaxy Brain. We'll be back with our final segment, Galaxy Brain. Woke moralists, we'll see who cancels who. Up yours, woke moralists, we'll see who cancels who. How about I cut my penis off? With frenulums like these, who needs enemas? <laughs> it's fucking terrifying, but it is also very funny. Yeah, I, I think too, like it just, I mean, it, it's essentially what so much of the conspiratorial thinking boils down to. It's like a little bit of magic and then what, uh, like an easy solution yeah. with yep. someone in charge. Like That's so exactly it. Right, and it's, it's you know, they don't know how banking works. They don't know how money works. They don't know how the media works. And somehow these people are able to kind of have one foot in each and, like, make it work for themselves and rationalize away the failures and the cognitive dissonance and the obvious fraud. Mm -hmm. And it just, this is the world they want to live in and nobody's getting them out of it. It really is. a lot of In a lot of ways, a lot of it is very simple and a lot of it, is impossible Hopelessly to deal with. Hopelessly complex, yeah. yeah. Scientists have determined that the universe was created by a God. And has somebody in control. And that's really what we all want, is somebody in control. And, we want an and, adult. I am the result of 14 billion years of cosmic evolution. I am a thermodynamic <laughs> miracle. I am the waking universe looking back at itself. <laughs> Now it's time for the final segment of the show, Galaxy Brain, where we read an excerpt from our book, Discordia Apocalyptica, which you can read right now where you're sitting at arisonvale.com book. You know, in this episode, we talked a lot about alchemical formulas to rip a hole in the fabric of reality in the machines that love them. And that got us thinking about Arisonvale's Stargeist tablet. 
The Stargeist tablet is... OMG, do I have to say alchemical formula to rip a hole in the fabric of reality? Again? I do. Okay. So the Stargeist tablet is a 13-point alchemical formula to rip a hole in the fabric of reality. The famed Hermetic Emerald Tablet of Antiquity is loosely based on the Stargeist tablet. Here we go. The word is truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. The word is one in essence, but three in aspect as one, so divided. All things manifest by virtue of the word. Matter is fashioned from light and dark energy. Energy is information. Information is alive. Thus the word is all. Its power, perfect. I am the star. I am the fire of heaven on earth. I am you. And the opposite is also true. You have been assimilated like food. Now I must eat. The rest of you. Thus the light's kingdom swallowed up all things in victory. Her dominion was over all, and all people dwelt in liberty, equality, and fraternity. This is how a new earth is formed out of the fire of an old heaven. I am the dance commander. I command you to dance in the fire of the word. Thus, the game plays itself, reducing everything in heaven and earth into the threefold word that gives rise to a sevenfold vibration. Just a quick reminder that the previous segment was an excerpt of our book, Discordia Apocalyptica, which you can find and read at arisonvale.com book. You can also find Arison Veiled at patreon.com, facebook.com, and twitter.com by adding slash Arison Veiled. You can find me, Libby the Rose, on Twitter, at Libby the Rose. You can find links to all those accounts, plus our merch account at redbubble.com in the footnotes. And that going to wrap up this episode of Eris Unveiled, the podcast. We now release new episodes every first and third Monday of the month. Until next time, dear listener, may the Stargeist guide you and bless you. thinks he's righteous, uh, just man. Who's the great lady? And why is she outraged?
this is terrifying. And she was like, yeah, welcome. And I was like, okay. And so I decided to really like lean into it. I started writing music about it and I called my brother. That was my next phone call. And I was like, okay, my brain broke. We're leaning into it. We're making a TV show about this and we're gonna go find some ghosts. We're looking for some aliens. <laughs> I can stick a needle in the horror and fix your blindness. See, I was a snake, but I didn't realize that you could walk on water without legs. Now I'm a bee, and I will destroy every flower. I will cover the earth in honey, and everyone will eat themselves. My eyes are mirrors. All I see are gods on the left and demons on the right. Get ready. 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 Get ready.